0: One of the lenses I want to suggest would be to consider the gospel through the lens of initiation.
1: We feel responsible to have a kind of 30-minute conversation that ends with the sitcom making sense. Uh, no.
2: Sometimes the vision
1: can cause you to stop the vision doesn't drive you the vision can actually constrain you you just think well gosh that's way bigger than i am
3: that's way bigger than my skills if your spiritual life does not have a
1: regular dose of adventure to it it's not going to sustain the masculine soul you guys thanks to start off we're it's fun to like have four people in here and be be talking um
3: yeah, instead of like a phone call thing.
1: Instead of a phone call thing. You guys aren't
3: used to this, are you?
1: It's actually more awkward when the people want to do video with the phone call. You're like, I don't, I don't actually want to see you. No. I just want yes. your no, voice. it's not helpful. Sorry, Michael, that was awkward. Um, <laughs> 95% of the questions at the young men's time at the last boot camp were around friendship. Like everything from how do you make friends to how do you maintain to how do I invite guys into any kind of life? It seems like it has meaning. And I remember, I remember that space super personally, like coming out of college. If I was wanting to try to like invite a guy into something or make something lasting, it felt, it felt really hard. It felt like people were interested in certain things, drinking primarily among them (laughs) and it, it just it felt on the one hand super isolating and i think the culture today also makes it like there's this false sense of connection that social media brings and we're feeling the absence of that we're feeling like this this gap that it's creating um and this might we might not use any of this we might use some of this um but as I was talking with the guys, I you you two kept coming to mind because I know I know pieces, I know bits. I've been, mm-hmm. I've had a, a side side front row seat sort of to to some of it over the years. There's
2: no such thing as a side front row seat. Sound that's a contradiction <laughs> in terms. <laughs> no, no, no Thank because you Blaine front, for clarifying. it feels like well, I'm on the side of the court, a on the sideline
3: stage that juts out in the middle of the audience. Yeah. It's Kind yeah. of a stage. side, front, a side row front row
1: yeah. seat, I right? Think.
2: Still just a front row seat.
1: But like, it's not truly a furrow seat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. So from everything from 20 years ago, meeting each other in the hallway, which I kind of want you to tell that story. This is a conversation that I want, like, to cast the vision as we jump into it. Um, Everything from low bar of like, how do I initiate an afternoon that's going to feel like it has meaning to how do I sustain it? And adapt and change over decades like how do do you maintain that because most of our listeners haven't had to do anything for decades yet like they've done school for decades but that's looked different Um, right
2: yeah can I add one thing yeah because I think there's also I just want to dispel this illusion inviting some older guys who have maintained a friendship over a long time into the studio for our listeners which is oh it must have been awesome Mm -hmm. like How cool that those guys have a really long-term friendship and look, like, eerily similar from about 50 yards out. But just to go, like, everybody wants the benefit. We all know, me included, nobody wants the sacrifice that any meaningful thing actually entails. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, it's as true in friendship as it is in marriage, as it is in parenting, as it is in being in a community. But just inviting this conversation as we sort of steer through these waters, just to take us into a little of... The sacrifice that friendship actually requires, and that it actually sig- that, that the sacrifice that you're seeing when you're seeing what looks like just a couple guys who have got along for a really long time. Yeah. Right. So
3: right, yeah. What's what's really fascinating is uh, so you're you're right. If people looked at Morgan and I today and looked at our friendship today, they'd pro- they'd probably think it's been twenty years of us. Mm-hmm. Daily in each other's lives and this deep friendship and and that's just not true, you know. It really it had its seasons, right? More mm-hmm. like we we had the benefit of coming to the same place to work together um, almost twenty years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is how we met and how we began a friendship. And it but it began in that context yes. of of a shared. I would call it a shared mission, in in the sense of it, it was our careers and it was our work um, that kind of brought us together, but but that that was the context that gave us visibility on each other's lives and and yeah, we hit it off initially, but then it was probably a almost a decade of time where we, where we weren't daily in each other's lives, where where we had this kind of forming of a friendship that happened over a year's period where we worked together and then you left that job. And, and it was, it was very few times that we would get together or we would even talk. Um, I mean, we, we probably, I think we'd go months at a time without a conversation. And it really wasn't until, you know, until we came back together in the context of the shared mission here at Ransom Heart, that that we really went deeper into our friendship and forged something mm-hmm. a- around that, around, um, around a shared mission, I guess, is how I would say it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, because I look back also over those 20 years, and I think the mark for me is, as you said, there was a context that brought us together, and then there was some time where we didn't do life, but about a decade ago, I would name that we got pretty intentional yeah. about doing life together. In yes. other words, there was some shift where the context brought us together, mm-hmm. but there was a decision. Yes, A lot of it was around a unique stage in life where young parents, young marriage, young mm-hmm. careers, mm-hmm. and we said we needed we were choosing this. We were going to sacrifice for this. So we had the shared mission. Right. But when I think of all that we've done together, there's so much more oh, in yeah. our friendship out of that work context that we chose to fight for. As Blaine, as you mentioned, the sacrifice, that's huge. I mean, that's a central piece of the history of our relationship, the yes. sacrificing to say, I will fight for this. I will choose to make this a priority.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, but I think it is uh, for the listeners though. I think it is helpful to say it doesn't, it's not really something that, um, I, I don't think you can get on Facebook and go, Oh, that guy looks like a cool guy. I think I'll go make friends with him. Like there, there is a reality that, that there's a a context of life. Do you remember when we used to talk, Morgan, about in those days where I wasn't where we weren't together? Yes. But we knew like, hey, that that's a guy who is after the same things I'm after in life. Yes. But our context didn't give us, really just didn't give us as much chance to go after the friendship. Right. And go after a shared life together. And and remember how we used to say like I remember some conversations about man. I, I hope someday we get to have a shared context, whether it's our kids at the same school or it's uh, shared work or something that that gives us the chance and the ability to to begin to be more um, more involved in each other's lives. yep Do you remember I think that? you're.
0: Yes, you're naming a few really critical pieces. I was just praying about this podcast and thinking over all of the years of life together and say, what's shaped it? What's made this so fruitful? Yeah. And Dan Allender was the one that named for me this idea where he said, find like-hearted kings living in the same direction. Sign treaties. When they are at war, you are at war. Yeah. It was so defining because it's that there's a lot in that to unpack, but to just name said, find like hearted kings, find people that want what you want, who have to fight through the same crap to get it. And that's there was something about the decade of life. We've Mm -hmm. always sought out mentors, but there was something about sharing life with a few men who are kingdom centered kingdom-hearted, who want integration, who want wholeheartedness, who want initiation. Right. These aren't just guys in our demographic, you know, or um, guys with the same background. It, it, these aren't just guys at your church. These are not mm-hmm. ga- th- These are or guys at your work. These are the few that say, that guy wants what I want, mm-hmm. and he's willing to pay the price that I'm willing to pay to do it. And the idea of signing treaties, this, the, this idea of you can't fight a three-front war, right? You just don't have the resources to fight on multiple fronts. So there's a humility of how many men can I really love well? Mm -hmm. And and there's a small circle here. And just name it and make it finite. And then when they are at war, you are at war. It doesn't say when you are at war, they are at war. It's an other-centered posture. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the word sacrifice, I think, is so huge that we were able to identify, you want what I want, Alex. Yeah. Y- you're after this. And so we could do this together. So we found ourselves kind of running parallel. And I think it's really important because life circumstances will put you in fellowship, in association with people that you're supposed to be connecting with, but those just aren't the guys, right? right? And so I I, I just want to name we were very intentional. There are a lot of people that we could have chosen and we did not. And it's been fruitful because we want the very
1: same thing. Yep. So I'd love to just ask some practicalities of ways that you knew not to choose someone and ways that you knew to choose someone because there's some very thoughtful and, uh, Intentional language that's being used. And like, I love that quote. There's probably that wants to ask, like, how, if someone might not have that language, yep. might not have the ability to, like, it's a kind of an intense DTR style to be like, let's grab a cup of coffee. Yeah. What direction are you going? Yeah. <laughs> I good. am going towards <laughs> Jesus and life and goodness. And you're going to, I yep. mean, if somebody had that conversation with me, be, I might be like, yeah, I'm going the same way, but not with you. because yeah. You feel very intense. Like, on a, like, do you remember? Either the shift or the initial phase, or like what did it look like practically to begin sifting through some of that stuff? Like I, I want that, and I also want to know how. Yeah, it's it's good, Sam, because your name, your naming, um, there's
0: a macro way of looking at it, right? We're talking about the big ideas, but then on the practical level, I want to say messy. Yep, it's Dang over it. time. Yeah. And trial and error, it's one step forward, two steps back. It's all of that. And so we're sitting here on the other side of two decades, right? And so the the people that my wife tried to make me friends with, mm-hmm. that doesn't work.
1: That feels like a chapter title. Yeah. You know, just stories. <laughs> exactly.
0: And so, Sam, it was a—I didn't even know what— direction i was wanting to live in right Mm -hmm. i needed it's the whole iron sharpener iron it's iron sharpens iron i needed alex to reflect back to me oh that's what i want so it's messy it takes time it's trial and error and you know i was moving this weekend helping a buddy move and there are about eight guys there and i spent all day huffing furniture and there's nothing like hard work and griping and moaning and and Carrying someone else's heavy crap to bring out things in people. And I was driving home at the end of a long day. And I actually didn't know most of the guys there, which was just an interesting circumstance. There was one guy out of that group where I said, huh, I, I, I'm really intrigued. I'd like to spend some more time with him. And so for years when I was young, I'd follow those threads. I'd go after that curiosity, and I'd chase Mm -hmm. that guy down, and and I'd do something with him, right? And so I do want to name its trial and error, but on the flip side of that, I think if there's anything I could kind of put a pin on the map for this podcast, over the years, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of men pose this question, how do I find those friends? How do I connect with those friends? How... Never once have I had a man say to me, how do I become the kind of person that someone would want to be good friends with? What can I do to be more transformed, Mm. to become more true, such that someone else wants to be my friend? someone else would want to choose to invest in deep, meaningful relationship over time. When I think of my friendship with Alex, now after 20 years, Alex, what I mostly think of is, holy shit, I won the lottery. I get to be your friend. Like, utter sincerity. Most days I go, I can't believe that I get to do life with you and be in your intimate circle and what i'm naming is you've become the kind of person that people will queue up to be a good friend of yours it's not and and that's what i feel in our friendship i'm not pulling you along i'm honored to be in your circle and and i just want to name that because alex has chosen the path of becoming a true man over these decades and so What's fascinating is that's not the answer people want to hear. Most people, half the people probably turn the podcast off. So we'll see you another, you know, another (laughs) episode, but you have that chose to stay well done, proud of you. It's not what you want, but it may be what you need because over time you become that kind of person and your questions change from, man, how do I find some good friends to how do I discern who I am to choose life with, where together we can live in some heroic mission, whether that's simply loving our wives better or helping each other out in in initiating our kids or doing some epic adventure that has a larger context than itself. So I know that's messy, and I know that's not the, the tactical, and we can go into that, but it's really important to name that.
3: So Morgan backed all that stuff you said about me. Um, you're, you're welcome. Enough about me. Let's talk you're, about you. you're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you're good looking. Yeah, yeah. I love how exposing that that piece is, Morgan of how do I become someone that is worth someone else wanting to walk alongside. Right. I think of most desires as like I want something that's going to be easy. I want like I'm pretty awesome already, and so some people really want to. I want other people that are awesome. I think if we were to like honestly name some of those like early stage, I want friendship, what that actually means. And that can be a little exposing, like wanting it to be easy, wanting it to be either somebody that you admire and somehow you like by osmosis or by proximity, you like get the things that they have. And it's not a model that I'm comfortable even like saying out loud
2: though. It's exposing to even just have you pose that other question. It's interesting though, because I feel like this episode is actually the part two episode. I want there to be a part one where we lay out a bunch of tactics for relationship with human beings, and then invite everybody to go try it for three to five years. And then, we <laughs> all, and then when all of yeah. their when all of their relationships suck, yes, and when they're just like sort of on the edge of despair with what does it mean to live life alongside human beings? Like I have Morgan saying, "Kings in the same direction." Like every year, I think I have understood less what that means mm-hmm. like then i think you're in a place where you can come back and go like okay so sorry guys i'm going to throw the transformation of the soul card again like hopefully by now you're convinced that being a transformed person will be better than being popular and rich but if not <laughs> like you can try other things for a long time before you return to developing the kind of quality that actually sustains a friendship which i think i want like maybe 5 or 6 percent of days
3: yeah I think one thing just to um, take what Morgan was talking about a little further I think one thing that uh, was was really um, key to our friendship and key to why we went after it was I think to some extent it's helpful to to ask what's the effect mm-hmm. of this person in my life right and and you get a feel for that fairly quickly with people. I mean, if you're if you're in some context where you get to interact with this person, and for us that that was a work context, what I would say and what we've kind of built a lot of our life's mission around in our friendship is joy. Mm. And and so the effect that you had on me. I mean, I remember I remember the first time I met you, Morgan, and we had both been hired at this job and we were both 23 years old right and this this young 23 year old guy comes bounding down the hall at me and i'm i'm like freaked out like first day on the job it was a big important meeting and um and you had heard i had been hired but we hadn't we hadn't met each other and you just come running up and you're so excited and you're full of joy and full of life and that that was my that was my first impression of you, and it's something that has um, something that has driven our friendship. I think we both mm. we both find a lot of joy yeah. in our life together, and it's and it's a piece of. I mean, you need that, right? You need that. You need. Well, we chose
0: to value it because we yes. realized that we were in deficit. Yeah. Right in yes. that stage of
3: life. Yes. I mean, young kids, young marriages it's hard. It's tough. Like life is not easy in those early days. And so to have a brother of joy where you can pursue joy together and you receive joy from one another uh, was pretty huge.
1: If you guys could go back and tell yourself, tell your 23, 26 year old self, something about your trajectory of friendship, because you've, you've, become very different people over 20 years, we would hope that there's been growth and change. And there obviously has maturity. So not that you could make your young self somehow skip some of those things, but if you could, if there was a kind benediction that you could go back and you'd be like, Morgan to young Morgan, Mm. here's something I would tell you to maybe frame or think about as you now step into these, these 20 years that haven't happened yet young Alex, what what comes to mind as something that you might, might offer that younger version of yourself without necessarily changing the past? I think what I've learned is the very best version
0: of me is formed through relationship, not independently. That the best opportunity for me to become who God meant when he met me is formed and forged out of friendship. And that person is the person that experiences the most joy, the most peace, the most life, the most meaning. And friendship is deeply exposing and fraught with risk, marriage being the most intimate friendship in our life. And brotherhood with a few intimate brothers is very close to that. So I would say it is a risky venture, but there's nothing that's more fruitful um over time. Okay, so let me play you guys something. Everyone listen to this for a second. I think I think you're going to enjoy this. <laughs>
2: The tiger, Does you, know you know what
1: that to. Is? The zoo, you had to. Does that. anyone know what that is? <laughs> it's a ship at sea. What is it?
0: <laughs> okay, so we're in a bunk room on some adventure, and that's Alex snoring, keeping me awake for like the fourth night in a row. And I'm thinking, you're shitting me. This is my life. I'm with this guy in a bunkhouse up all night while he is fast
3: asleep. <laughs> And you—you you didn't. As I remember, you didn't stay in the bunkhouse all four nights. No. After I recorded <laughs> that, I got the hell out of there.
0: I stayed long enough to get a good recording. Uh-huh. I, I, okay, so you have two directions to go. You can go, crap, like look at this. This is my life, right? Like I can't get sleep. This, this dirt bag's keeping me up all night. Or that experience of just profound happiness of joy of, I love this man, I love this man. And this, this is a treasure that I am tucking away that will yield fruit for many decades to come. Like I got some shit on this guy. And, 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 and the reason why I'm pointing that out, okay, <laughs> is it's messy and, and we get to decide what is it that we want. And what I would say to that younger man, my younger self, is there is a life available for more joy and more meaning and more adventure and more satisfaction, but it's a life that you cannot get independently. And it requires the kind of friendship that can sustain that life. And so wh- what is it that you want? How much life do you want? How much joy do you want? I simply cannot have joy on my own compared to the level of joy that comes from a handful of intimate friendships. And so we have stories from around the globe of chasing joy and adventure <laughs> on missions and and all of them have had, you know, just adventure putting together bike tours, putting together backcountry trips, like putting together father-son events, all a context to do life together because we've, we've, we've resolved to, to have a life that requires those kinds of friendships. So I want to say it's worth it.
3: Yeah. It's well said. And, um, I, I, I don't know that I can add a whole lot more to that other than to say, I mean, when you asked that, Sam, the first thing that came to mind is like Morgan said, the mess is worth it. Like, don't, don't sabotage yourself by trying to avoid the mess of relationship, because you'll never get there if you're not willing to take the risk. If you're not willing to hang out with the guy snoring in the bunkhouse, like to um, to take the good with the bad, the messy with the joyful, you 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 will miss out on it. Sam, Blaine, another piece I'd add, Alex, earlier you
0: talked about mission and context. I think we learned early in our friendship, we needed a shared mission and and work, as you said, brought us together, but quickly the mission got far deeper and far wider than simply our assignment. And so we've had all sorts of missions together. I mean, example, we launched this little brewery like eight years ago. And when I say brewery, just know that It doesn't have a storefront. (laughs) It's a self-funded brewery with four guys. We all tithe into the joy bucket. We brew awesome craft beer and we give it away for free because we realized we needed joy and other people in our life were in a joy deficit. We came up with a mission whose primary purpose was to get us together primary purpose, to give us an excuse to fight for the time. And so we do all sorts of missions together, but I would ask guys, what is the mission you've defined um, that you, that's putting you in proximity? And when I say in proximity, Sam, back to your earlier point, I want to suggest that the context of digital connection is at best a bonus. That doesn't count. It doesn't count. Long distance, doesn't count. Text, doesn't count. It's, it can be good, but call it a bonus. We have resolved to have the kind of relationship where most of our mission happens face-to-face because it, it flushes the deeper realities. And, and with mission, the other thing I named that's so fundamental is once a relationship gets real, You realize that you have to understand their story Mm. and your story if you want to go deep. Because even the best people will blow up if they walk into deeper intimacy without knowing their own story or the story of the person they're choosing to love. And so, in all of our ventures, as I think about over the decades, we've had shared missions. Externally, going after other people's hearts or sponsoring a, a adventure race, but congruently, we've always had the deeper mission of each other's hearts and each other's stories of excavating together, of going deeper. And in every lap we take around an adventure, we go on a trip. Inevitably, at some point, deeper parts of each of our story will come out, and it and it helps us to learn how to love and it helps you navigate when it gets messy because you can interpret according to reality. It's hmm. good.
2: Woof. I would love to turn to a few sort of tactical arenas that come up as I hear things like the few and you know we've had other conversations Morgan Reeve described a person's limited capacity And I think there is, there's sort of a flip side is if you value becoming a person with a deep life with God and a whole heart who's, you know, growing as a man, you actually do become really attractive to people. And I had a conversation this year with a guy who was like, I don't know what your relationship problem is. I think everybody would want to be friends with you. And it was just like, we are not having the same conversation in the same universe, like That is actually a major contributing problem right now, and so I think I'd just love to ask from your stories, what has it looked like because to to get to the moment of doing life with a man, where you then realize that actually your trajectories are parting, and that's okay. But how do you steward that? And then, as a person who with a relational soul, but with a lot of demands. On your time and a lot of, and maybe a lot of people interested in rock climbing with Alex. Like, what you do big walls? I'd love to learn to do that. Can you like let's do it? We're both climbers. Like, I'd love to hear what comes up in navigating that, and then simply what counsel to guys who sort of just need to be a little bit who need to grow in the ability to manage like distance or recognizing when a friendship actually has run its in-season course. I think
0: one thing I've learned over the last two decades um, through pain is it's really good to consent to the reality that there are seasons to some relationships. I I fought that for a while because I wanted to make certain relationships work. But, you know, one wise man said, don't waste your pain. And, And I think an example of that, Blaine, when I got married and then quickly had kids, all of a sudden, I really had a hard time relating to my single friends. Mm-hmm. They were still good men and still good friends, but overnight, I just couldn't relate. They they didn't know what it was like to come home from work and deal with diapers and crying and a wife that's also crying, right? And it's like, they don't understand what, at least my experience was they didn't understand the value of an hour or 15 minutes. The way I didn't, I had no idea before kids. And it was an example where I had to let go over time. I fought it. And then I realized like, this just isn't, I'm not loving them. Well, they're not loving me well. And I have to be honest with my capacity and I had to let some of those friendships go. But in hindsight, it took a long time, and there was a lot of unnecessary pain and hurt because I was unwilling to cooperate with the season. Um, so I, I think that's true that we have to name it and say, and and that's where a, a walk with God is so critical. Say, God, are you in this? Because it's it's either I need to fight for this or I need to let it go, and that's where we need to be led. So that's a huge
3: piece. Yeah, I, I think one of the most helpful questions we've asked ourselves. Over the years, is what what is the season I'm in? Yes. right. What um, and and we we've found ourselves looking at a decade of life, and so we and and I wish we had stumbled upon it in our twenties, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we didn't we didn't have the benefit of this in our twenties, but in our thirties, that was the question. Yes. what is this decade about? And it was about. Young kids and a a marriage that uh, is is kind of weathered the initial years of marriage and and you're you're starting to um, you're starting to encounter the deeper things of marriage. The honeymoon's over, right? And young career and and a lot of demands. And so, just recognizing the season you're in and and i do remember i i had a i had a best friend in my high school and college years we 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 did high school and some of college together and um and a and a, and a deep deep friendship i i would call us kindred spirits in those days and and then our seasons parted and and it did require you know i fought i fought that for a number of years where i where i just said man why why is it not the same with him anymore and but we had really kind of in some ways we had our our geographical proximity had changed but also kind of our heart toward our life with god he he's a good man he loves god and he's going after god but but in different in different ways than i am in a different calling and a different context than I am. And, and I really had to grieve that. And I really had to come to a place of going that, that was, that was a season and that, that season's come to Mm -hmm. a close and, and had to let it go so I could embrace the season before me. And we still, you know, it's actually really good now because about once a year I'll get on a phone call with him and, And like, there's a whole lot more peace now because I can, I can delight in what God's doing in his life and where he's taking Him. But I also like, I'm not in that place of grieving anymore. And I've, I've let that go. It is what it is. And I'm receiving what God has for this season. So yeah, it's
1: good. Uh, w- within this context of seasons, we use this language that camps that some guys are your mission and some guys are your brothers and you oh, can yeah. kind of tell, usually, usually somewhat quickly, like if a guy has, has just mm-hmm. like, has, has a lot of disaster and a lot of growing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have personally set like the, that's too much. You've crossed the line from like, you could be a friend to now you're a mission. Like, I, I don't know. That's a, a boundary that I think is changes from relationship to relationship. But I'm wondering for you guys, if a guy's in in a similar season, so like you're in similar proximity, you have a shared context, you're in a similar stage of life. Is there a point like that you think about that? You think about that kind of conversation of, you know, this guy, he seems like he's a mission and could become an ally. Mm-hmm. He could become someone like, if I go in and I make his wars, my wars, his battles, my battles, I th- think that, this could become something that could be strong, or is there some guys that you're like? I w- I totally would go after you, but for the sake of my other friendships and my family, I. It almost sounds cruel to say, but like your mission right now, that that guy is almost too much to to dive in for. Like uh,
3: maybe there's an even simpler way. Yeah, to break that down, Sam, and I think what I would say is, I would. I would never look at a guy who I go, man, they're definitely, they are a mission. Like they're not, they're not where I am. They're not traveling in the same direction I am. I would never look at that man and go, oh, but if I work on this, maybe he could become Mm. my ally
1: in this. That exposing kind of a
3: bad motive. Right. Like, because you just don't know. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and i think it's healthier to just name what is and rather than speculate on what could be you know similarly in marriage i w- i would never i would never tell my zoe my daughter i would never go oh he you know he could be a great guy he's got a lot of work to do why don't you go work on that with the hopes that he'll be the kind of guy you could marry heck no like i i want her i i want her to find a kindred spirit her best friend someone who's traveling in the same direction that she goes and marries and i and i think it's the same thing in friendship like um i wouldn't i wouldn't make anybody my mission in the hopes that they would become my friend and ally that's bonus if that happens but i wouldn't start there
0: yeah, Sam, I think your question touches on an earlier point that Blaine made that's so critical when wrestling with this question of what is true friendship look like. And it's this humbling reality of being pushed up against our limitations. There's something about kind of the beginning of the 20s where I name the decade like exploration and discovery. The world's your oyster, you can travel, you can experiment. You can protest. You can do anything you want to be, do do anything you want to do, and be anything you want to be. And then life gets really real. There's a there's some shift. A lot of guys, it happens when they get married, um, when they start having kids. Um, for some men, it's when they they begin to take their inner life pretty seriously um, and start asking the question of what kind of person do I want to be, but. Regardless, there is a shift of maturation, of initiation in the masculine soul, where we have to come face-to-face with the reality that we have limitations. And at first, we fight that. As men, we hate that. We were told all our lives, you want to be president of the United States? You can be anything. And and it's actually, um, it's, it's false because it appeals to our false self rather than asking the question of who am I? really who did, how did god form me uniquely what did he mean when he met me and so limitations i've learned can be one of our greatest teachers can be one of our greatest treasures because there's nothing like a limitation to force to surface the deeper realities and so to your question of who do you choose and how do you choose it i struggle with saying no i mean i am a people pleaser in the deepest places of my brokenness, th- there's a sentence that says, I am loved when I come through for people. If, if I could just name, what, what is it that motivates me in my broken places? I am loved when I come through. Therefore, not coming through for anyone feels like death all the time. And so it's really hard for me to say no. In other words, it feels like death. For me to say no. It brings up shame for me to say no. But as I confront my limitations, what happens in me is an opportunity to cultivate a yes, to say, what am I saying yes to? And the reality is I have learned that I want to be a loving friend to a few. Mm-hmm. And the implication is I simply don't have the bandwidth. With integrity to engage in other relationships the way that I'd like to. So, they're by God's grace, because of the work we do, I know plenty of, of really good men. And most of them, I simply can't engage the level in which I would enjoy engaging. But it's because I am cultivating a yes out of being honest with facing limitations and understanding that limitations are a great asset. To my growth as a man.
3: And Morg, what can you speak just in in our context, yeah. in your context? I think it'd be helpful for the listeners pra- practically, what has that looked like for you? Yeah. How many guys? Yeah. Yeah, and that's really vulnerable to <laughs> to,
0: to say these things. Yeah. But out of love, out of love, I will risk. There are about five that i would say are in my closest circle of the kind of people i have signed treaties with the kind of people that have permission to text me at any hour of the day now there may be times my phone's turned off because i do that a lot but when i am available there are a few that that can expect me to respond, can expect me to engage, can expect me to drop almost anything. And those are a few, and that is a tight circle. Mm -hmm. And and if if I look at my life and how I live in the context of friendship, how I live with those five is very different than how I live with the circle of 12, the circle of seventy-two, and so it's intentionally um, saying no to lots of things to protect those friendships. But that's about the number. And I mean, even for example, like you know, I I, I love wilderness adventure. Um, I do that with very few people. You know, I love archery hunting. Other than my son, I do most of that with one person. Not because there aren't all kinds of amazing people to, that I know to spend time with, or even awesome opportunities I've been invited to by good men that, that would be awesome. It's simply the limitation of, no, this is who I spend most of my time in the field with, and it's a context for us to go deeper in in, in friendship and in, in masculine initiation. So uh, it just feels risky to say it because there are a lot of people that that aren't in those five.
3: Yeah. I think it's, it's really helpful though. Thank you for saying it more because it, because what it does do, and you set it there at the end by, by acknowledging that there are a few and those are the few that I'm going to spend most of my time with. And I'm going to invest in those relationships primarily. What you get to is the deeper things. Yes. If if you're not willing to do that, if you're if you're spreading yourself thin and trying to maintain all these friendships, because as as you said, Blaine, as you recognized in what Morgan was saying earlier in the conversation, if you become the kind of man that others want to be friends with, you are going to battle that. You are going to have a lot of guys that are trying. They're trying to plug their they're cord into you because there's something of life found in who you are and the the way you live they're they're experiencing god through you and so they'll they'll want to plug their cord into you and if you don't have that that resolve of here are my few and this is where I'm going to invest most of my time you you will spread yourself thin and you will find yourself in a place where where you're just trying to keep up and you're not You're not ever getting to the deeper things with
2: with a few guys. I just want to ask one more question. And it's for the guy who really is alone in this season and is like, that sounds great, but if I'm doing the math right, then you found like one person every five years. And if any of those were clustered together, maybe there were like decades where nothing happened. And simply... What would you say to the guy who is in his 20s and he's picking the lifestyle of restoration and he's studying his own heart, but he's pretty much by himself. Like He connects with guys. Maybe he came to a Ransom's heart event and just got to see that there were others, but sort of his reality right now mm. is, I'm walking out the season without kind of close dudes. What do I do in that season until I bump into them? Or in the meantime, what does it look like to manage my relational need when there's just nobody around?
0: Blaine, it's a great question. And the first thing I would ask to that, back to Alex's earlier point is, God, what season am I in? Mm-hmm. To, to at, be curious with God of what is alone about, because I go two directions just thinking of my story of, one was when I was in college and I had just chosen to enter into a relationship with God for the first time. And it was a 180, holy crap, messy time of my life. And God sent me into a season of being alone. He he physically moved me from the U.S. to Europe. And I spent a semester studying over there where I spent a better part of a semester alone. And I had never been alone in my life. And I thought even that I was an extrovert, but it was a stripping time where God had to disentangle me from all of my addictions, from my addiction to women as a place of having my question answered, to strip me from my addiction to leadership and deriving value from being in charge of something. I was stripped naked. I found myself in a strange school, in a strange country, in a strange land with little money. And every weekend, every weekend, God would lead me. uh, I got a train pass, and I would find the most remote places in England, Scotland, Ireland that were non-touristy and spend time... Walking, just fell walking the hills and interacting with locals and asking God to cultivate a relationship with him. I just get to know him for his own sake and then in it get to know myself. And so it was a huge season of the gift of being alone to really come face to face with the man in the mirror and say, What do I think of him? And who is that man? And what is God? really like. And so there are times I believe that seasons of aloneness are intended to allow us to have a treasure that's so rare looking back over decades. I mean, when do you get that, you know? So if God's in it, that's huge to be aware of that and then to agree with that season and and trust that it doesn't last forever. The second flip side to that, I found myself alone, so I jump in um, begin masculine initiation, being mentored by good men, put myself under elders and find old men enter season of training. I'm married. And one Sunday, Sherry, my wife, Sherry said something interesting to me. She said, Morgan, can I be honest with you? And she said, I have two observations. One, you've lost your joy. You tell all these stories about high school, of like these crazy adventures with guys in these all-night poker games, and like, I just don't see the joy. And can I say something else to you? I see you pursuing mentors, but I you don't have any peers. Like, where are your friends that are your age? And And, and it was, I was surprised by it. I didn't realize that. And that day I went to went out for the afternoon and just sat with that observation that my wife gave to me lovingly and realized I've also found myself alone and said, God, what is this about? And he said, it's time to invest sacrificially in peer relationships. And so began the energy of the messiness we've been talking about, mm-hmm. of tracking down the guys in my world that may be those guys, they seem to kind of be in the same season and they seem to want what I want. And they seem to be living in this direction, I guess. So I made a phone call and said, Hey, uh, I have a mountain bike. Uh, Do you ride? And, and guy said, yeah. And I said, you want to do a ride together? And it was, it was starting to make intentional choices to explore those relationships. And it's two steps forward, one step back. It's one step forward, two steps back. And so I asked God to lead me to the path of becoming that person and finding those people through trial and error. And so I would say that I'm sorry to the man that's alone. That is painful. And even to listen to this podcast and hear stories of good friendships is painful and risky. And I wanna ask that man, what will he do with his loneliness? Because if he chooses to consent to the process of initiation and agree with the season that he's in, then ten years from now,
3: loneliness will not be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I think um, Morgan, what I—the only other thing I would add to that—and um, well, actually, let me let me reflect too. How many years was it? From that time that Sherry talked to you to the time that, that me, you, we'll, we'll name a couple of our other buddies, Aaron and JD. Yep. How long was it from that time until you would say we had forged something? Yep. And. I, I would say it was a decade. Yeah. And during that
0: 10 years, there were such awesome moments. Yes of kind of the daily bread, the sustenance of going, oh, this is what I've been looking for. It's a treasure trail. So I want to say it, it, it's the long, slow, and steady. It was a decade. And right. because our father is so generous and he's so particular and he's so invested in relationship, I also want to name, I mean, very quickly after that, we climbed Humboldt Peak. Yeah. And and we're up there on a sketchy trail, and that woman is stoned with three flat tires. And I mean, the stories, right? Uh-huh. We weren't that close back then. Your CJ is broken, and like, it was messy. But I remember that today there was so much joy, and that mm-hmm. was when we weren't yet very close. Yep. So it, it takes time, and there is fruit in the process because that's what our fathers like.
3: Yep. Yeah. The only other thing I would add, guys, and and uh, you know, I hate that that this is probably a disappointing answer to a lot of guys, but it shouldn't be a disappointing answer. I think there's a lot of hope in it. And, and I think the answer is ask God. Like if you're there, if you're in that place, begin to ask him to bring it and watch what he does. And cause it'll happen. It'll happen. I, I wish that wasn't, you know a disappointing answer for a lot of people but i think sometimes at you you ask the question morgan like what what season am i in and what are you after god if the desire is there and you're not finding it there there's there's a reason god is up to something yes and so taking that to god and asking him is is going to yield some fruit
2: it's phenomenal guys thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for being vulnerable with your own stories. I think this is obviously a key area of pain for a lot of young guys and even Sam and I are not exceptions to that in this season. So those pieces are huge. Thanks a lot for coming on Ancest. Yeah,
0: great to be with you guys. It does feel like it
2: could be a seven-part series. Yes.
1: There's just so much there and so many aspects of like your personal, the friendship, the relationship with God that like it's really good and I hope that there was, I know that there was something regardless of where you particularly are a listener of like some point on this and the conversation that totally applies. So it's been awesome.